0: praise team for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you, Brother Butch, for the great challenge in the area of encouraging us and giving us great leadership in the area of finances for our church. It's good to have Hope back with us. Hope, good to have you back. The girl's been through everything. God bless you, Hope. Good to have you back today in the house of the Lord. If you're glad to be here, give the Lord a hearty amen. 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 It's good to see you all here today and. Uh, it's just uh, amazing how fast 2019 is coming to a close. It just seems like yesterday we were celebrating the beginning of 2019. But 2019 has been a tough year though, hasn't it? And uh, But I tell you what, God is merciful and grace uh, gracious. And wouldn't it be great that 2019 would end with the rapture of the church? Wouldn't that be glorious? How many be ready to go just to say... He can uh, the devil can have all that the world has amen he can have it all and just give me jesus and the kingdom of god we're good folks we're good amen and, hey that's that's a marvelous thing but you know i was thinking about how fast time flies and uh, i was thinking about gracious you know the next holiday is thanksgiving in just a few weeks and uh, amazing amazing and i thought about this morning The Holy Spirit just began to to minister to my heart even this week about speaking to you on the subject of thanksgiving and uh, a thankfulness of a heart, setting the tone for the whole Christmas season and Thanksgiving season. I, I just want to speak to you on that subject. I want to speak to you on what the Bible calls genuine thanksgiving or genuine thankfulness. In fact, the text that I picked this morning is Psalms 30, verse 12. It says, To the end, that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent, O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. I love that. That my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent, O Lord my God, and I will give thanks unto thee forever. This morning, I want to speak on this necessary virtue that is not found in any of us when we're born. In fact, the spirit of thankfulness is something that is developed under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit. The more a person is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the more they are filled with the spirit of thankfulness. And this morning I want to speak about this necessary virtue that that needs to be explored, we need to look at it, we need to ask God to promote it in our disposition. It is the spirit of thankfulness. We don't have to look very far to see how this virtue of thankfulness is vanishing before our eyes in these last days. We can see ingratitude expressed in restaurants, and grocery stores, and schools, and places of employment, and neighborhoods, and even hospitals, and in some places, churches. And I'm afraid the disposition of thankfulness has been downsized many times into empty rhetoric phrases, simple cliches, and mindless platitudes. And we've learned to say, oh, we know we're supposed to be thankful, so we have packaged it all up, and we say these things just to make ourselves feel better. And for many, the holiday of Thanksgiving has become a time to momentarily rehearse a few stale traditional platitudes to compensate for the lack of genuine thanksgiving or gratitude throughout the rest of the year. And at best, we've learned to wrap all of our obligations of thankfulness into one short day of the year called Thanksgiving Day, a day of turkey, football games, and relaxation. And we've called it being thankful. I guess this explains why the Apostle Paul prophesied that ingratitude would be one of the prominent evil characteristics in the last days. Ingratitude is pervading and influencing every circle of our lives it actually is changing how we think how we behave and how we speak my mother was a great one to always as a young boy growing up teaching me to be thankful and whenever i would complain about what she cooked at the table and she said ah ah, ah." she always did that and when she did that i knew i was in trouble she said there are some kids that don't have anything to eat I said, Mom, I'd be glad to give it to them right now. They can come get it. I'll give it to them. She used to really give it to me. But my mom would always tell me all the time, Tim, you got to learn to be grateful. You got to be thankful. She says, because that virtue is not in you when you're born. It is a, a virtue that needs to be developed, disciplined in your life. It has to be a cognitive, a cognitive awareness that you do not deserve, you are not entitled to the good things of the world. We, we are not entitled to the good things of the Lord because whatever we have, we receive it by the grace of God. I'm going to heaven today because of the grace of Jesus, not because of who I am or what I deserve. I deserve hell. And what God has done for me is amazing. It's abundant. It's wonderful. Listen, if I've never got another blessing on the earth, the greatest blessing of all is that my sin has been washed in the blood of Jesus and I'm on my way to heaven, born again, saved, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. No matter what trial or difficulty is coming your way, this too shall all pass because one day the gates will swing open wide and we as the family of God will walk into the security of God's love forever and we shall, as the Bible says, and I love this, you shall enter into your rest stress-free. Amen? Wonderful. If you stroll through the Old and New Testament, you'll find that the Bible is filled with literally hundreds of admonitions about being thankful. In fact, the Bible places a premium on the spirit of thankfulness. Next to the blood of Jesus, number two is the thankfulness, is a, a, the virtue. is one of the major themes of the Bible. And obviously, the multitudes of references regarding thankfulness is a virtue that God ultimately wants us to, to cultivate in our human souls. The writer of the book of Psalms, Psalms 92, verse 1, David said this, a great, great king. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It is a good thing. And then to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Again, David says in Psalms 104, uh, 100 verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts or into his presence with praise. And then he says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. This morning, I'd like to lift the spirit of thankfulness out of our small, dusty boxes of tradition and raise the awareness of our need to develop authentic thankfulness in our hearts on a daily basis. And I'd like to address it by three basic questions this morning. Number one, why do we lack the disposition of thankfulness? Why do we lack the disposition of thankfulness? People often tell me, I, I, I really want to know God's will for my life. And let me say, the Bible spells out God's will for all of us in a general sense because in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, in, every, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is God's will that whatever we're going through in life that we need to give thanks because there is a divine purpose there's a divine reason why we go what we go through. How does the digression of, grat- of gratitude disappear from our heart and attitude of speech? And number one, the first reason, and, and I, as I think about my own personal life, it, first of all, we allow a negative perception of life to dominate our behavior. Nothing extinguishes the spirit of thankfulness quicker than a a, negative outlook or a negative perception of life. You see, how you view life will ultimately affect your attitude of gratitude. A critical spirit will blind the wonderful blessings surrounding you. Nothing is more unattractive upon the soul of a person than a critical disposition. It's unpleasant to the sight, distasteful to the soul, and displeasing to God. Sometimes I have to sit myself down and say, how do I look? What is my spirit? How am I coming across? What is my perception of life? And sometimes we have to sit ourselves down and, and look at ourselves and, and take great introspection and, and look at our demeanor and look at our, how do other people perceive us and how do we perceive life? especially as the world who who, they don't have faith they don't have the hope of heaven they don't know when they die they don't know where they're going they're just groping in the dark they're just living through the the basic senses of life and and they have no no future and they have no eternal life to look forward to and they they're lost but we as the believers of God, we that are, that are children of God, we are heading toward the eternal celestial city of God. We're going home. We're just pilgrims passing through. We have the answers to the ills of life and the word of God. We have a Savior who loves us unconditionally. And we are going home, and we know who we believe. The world needs to look at us with people of faith people of optimism, of people of hope. God firmly judged many of the Israelites in the wilderness because of their grumbling spirit. And eventually, God opened up the earth and removed their sour disposition from the camp of Israel. When I read about the Old Testament, I read about the people of Israel and how grumpy and miserable they were and and naysayers. God says, you know, I'm done with this. And he opened up the ground, devoured them. God cares about your disposition. He cares about how you perceive life. And number two, the second reason why we lack the disposition of thankfulness is because our sinful nature can easily overrule. Just because you get saved doesn't mean that the old nature goes away. Sometimes we get... We have this misunderstanding. The moment we get saved, we enter into this rosy realm of perfection. And the fact of the matter is we get saved by grace, but God wants us to, 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 to experience what we call sanctification, to be set apart unto him. But that old nature battles us. The apostle Paul, the greatest Christian of all, he says, oh, wicked man that I am. Oh, what a sinful man I am. And oh, he prayed to be delivered from his old sinful nature. And the moment he died, God snipped that old burden of the old nature and he was set free and we as we go through life we see what we can be we see our potential but something dogs our heels something grabs us around our ankles and pulls us down and it's our old depraved nature That's what the book of Galatians is all about, is there's a battle between the old man, the old sinful nature, and the spirit of God that wants to break free. And there's this constant clanging. There's this constant banging together. It is this conflict that you experience and I experience. And we lack the disposition of thankfulness when the old nature rises up and it begins to permeate our spirit. And then third reason why we lack the disposition of thankfulness is the spirit of this age influences us to be unthankful. The Bible says, and I know we're living in the last days. I, I marvel that we're here. I marvel that the rapture has not even taken, hasn't even taken place yet. I marvel at that, that I know that, that the spirit of the age in which we live, the Bible says one of the characteristics one of the prevailing attitudes that is predominant in the very last days before Jesus calls the church home or before the tribulation breaks upon the earth or the, there's the entrance of the Antichrist. One of the prevailing spirits. And he's talking about the church on the earth. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he gives us a clear picture of the depraved hearts. This know also that in the last days, Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. They shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unthankful. And then the second big thought this morning is how does thankfulness shape our disposition? How does thankfulness actually change who we are? How can being a thankful person really create a metamorphosis in who we are? And there's so many people that says, I want to change. I I don't want to be the old person I I used to be. I I want to be a a, a transformed person into the godly Christian that God wants me to be. Colossians 3.15, I love this verse. It says, and let the peace of God Rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body. And then he says, and be ye thankful. (laughs) Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called into one body. The, The compacting of many believers into the body of Jesus Christ. And he says, by the way, be thankful. Have a thankful spirit. Nothing keeps us in check spiritually better than the attitude of gratitude. It keeps us from grumbling and coveting and contentious and full of discontentment. Being thankful has a way of framing our whole thinking process by keeping our minds grounded on what is really true, wholesome, and good. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, he said, think. Think on these things. So there has to be the embracing of our minds. We have to take control of our thought life, and we've got to change tracks. We've got to pull the old tape out, put in a brand new tape, and begin to think differently. Show a man with bad thinking or poor thinking process, I'll show you a person whose attitude and behavior will stink. The ability to think right has everything to do with the shaping of our disposition. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, as I mentioned before, in everything, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I've come to my life, in this is where I am in my life, that, that God allows everything to come into my life for a purpose. God doesn't want me to take on this victim mentality. Woe is me and oh my poor me. I'm just beat up by all the problems. No God wants me to realize that that he brings situations and circumstances and problems and conflicts into my life to, to bring me to the place that I might praise him and thank him in the good times and the bad times because there is a divine plan to prepare me for the kingdom of God. There is a divine plan that God wants me to grow up to be like him and he realizes in my old natural state i need an external work of god from his sovereignty to shape me and mold me into the kind of person that he wants me to be so therefore i take a step back and i'm thinking wow this is a painful blow in my life but i take a a step back and realize that god is in control of everything in my life And what happens to you is is allowed to happen by the divine purposes of God. So therefore, instead of resisting God and kicking against the pricks, and instead of getting an attitude toward God, you realize that God allowed this to come and we need to settle ourselves down and say, Lord, what is the lesson you need me to learn here? Because I want to be totally yielded to learn to be like you. He wants us to be thankful for even the negative things that slam up against us. Being truly thankful changes our whole perspective of life and moves us to count our blessings. If we have food in our refrigerator, and if we have clothes in our closet, if we have a roof over our head and a place to sleep, we are richer than 75% of the world if we have some money in the bank and cash in our wallet or even spare change in a dish, we're among the top 8% of the earth's wealthiest wealthiest people. If we woke up this morning with more health than illness, we are more fortunate than the million people who will not survive this week who are facing imminent death. If we have never experienced the danger of battle, loneliness, of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the suffering of starvation, we are ahead of 90 million people in the world. If we can attend this worship service or any other religious-related service without fear or harassment, arrests, torture, or death, we are f- very fortunate. Billions of people in the world cannot. You see, we accomplish the ability to count our blessings. And when we step back and we look at the world as a whole and we realize we are a blessed people, when God looks down and He sees those being crushed under the tyranny of the world, and He looks at us who are blessed beyond comprehension, And yet out of our mouth is nothing but ingratitude. It breaks the heart of God. You see, we accomplish the will of God for our lives when we cultivate a spirit of thankfulness which automatically shapes our disposition and ultimately decorates the life of a Christian with beauty and humility and a lovely fragrance of grace. Have you ever wondered what God thinks of the ungratefulness of his people? Every single day, he pours out a blessing upon us. If you've been blessed by God today, just raise your hand and say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) He works in our lives with mercy and grace and all things he brings good for those of us who love him. Yet time and time again, we don't even think about going to him in thankfulness for what he has done. King David says, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Many years ago on a stormy night in Lake Michigan, there there was a steamboat that was ran by another boat and the steamboat sank about a mile off the shore in a little town in Illinois. And out of that ship were 393 passengers on board and 279 people drowned. There was a man named Edward Spencer who was standing on the shore of that Lake Michigan as the boat sank. And he plunged into the icy cold lake, swimming out to the drowning people. And he pulled person after person to shore, saving 17 people from certain death. He was a hero. And however, the strain of this young man to go out to save these people caused him to collapse after the 17th person was brought to shore. The nerves in his legs were destroyed because of the cold water, and they found that he could never walk again. He remained in the wheelchair for the rest of his life. And on his 80th birthday... Sitting there in his wheelchair, someone asked him to, to relate his most vivid memory of that dreadful day, and he replied, well, I remember bringing one man to shore, and he complained the whole time that I wasn't swimming fast enough, and the rest of the 17 never came back to say thanks. Thanks. Can you imagine what the Lord feels like when we show him so little gratitude for what he has done for us? What has he done for us? I'll tell you this morning. He saved us from eternal hell. If we could bring a host of people from hell and they could stand here before you and tell you... What a wonderful act of grace it is to receive God's forgiveness, to receive the kingdom of God, that he would deliver us from a place as horrible as hell is. If they could implore us to be thankful, they would tell us, drop to your knees and thank God, you're not going to a place like this, but rather you're going to a place of glory and sunshine and eternal rest. And in the presence of the Holy Lamb of God, thanks be unto God. in everything, give thanks. How can thankfulness, number three, rule in the midst of trouble? (laughs) It's interesting. How can we be thankful to God when bad things happen? That's hard. (laughs) It's hard for all of us. Yet that is what God asks of us, I always think of that verse in the Bible. In the time of adversity, if thou faint in the day of difficulty, thy faith is small. Adversity comes. And when adversity comes, I want to be able to stand in the grace of God. I want my faith to be strong. How can we be thankful to God when bad things happen? King David allowed thankfulness to rule his attitude during a crisis in his life. His son Absalom turned against him. His son Absalom totally wanted to run his own father off the throne, and he wanted to take the throne for himself. And and, and King David took about 50 of his men, and they went out and lived in the woods because there was just this big state of chaos in the kingdom. And you know he was stressed. <laughs> and King David said this. He's living out in the woods, and his world is turned upside down, and there's family trouble, kingdom trouble, problems all galore. And even some of his own men wanted to kill him. And he's out there, and he's in the middle of the night. He can't sleep. And he says, at midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Amen. I will rise and I will thank you. And I will praise you. No one knew the power of thankfulness in times of trouble better than the Apostle Paul. He constantly encouraged believers to be thankful, even for the trials that God sent our way, even when we can't seem to understand the good and bad situations. In fact, Paul wrote in Philippians, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds or my imprisonment in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Paul said, I had my itinerary all worked out. I was going to go visit all these churches and I was going to preach all of these evangelistic meetings and I was going to see people saved. And I had this thing mapped out. My Man, I had it all planned. And all of a sudden, boom, they come and got me, and they, they, they put me in, in chains, and they put me in a dark cell, and they won't let me continue on my ministry, and now I'm in jail because all I've been trying to do is to tell people about heaven, and now I'm imprisoned. And Paul says, there's a reason and a purpose for it, and I'm going to thank God He allowed thankfulness to rule in his heart by giving thanks for his arrest in Jerusalem on false charges and his appeal to the emperor. And he had been given an all-expense-paid cruise to Rome because they took him there to be judged. And not only had his trouble in Jerusalem brought him to Rome with his faith-empowered eyes, he was able to see that this trip and his imprisonment opened a new ministry opportunity because God had another plan. All, the only thing Paul could do was just, God, I don't understand it, but God knew what he was doing. And you know what God says? I want Rome, the powerhouse of the world, the most powerful empire. I want you, Paul. I want you to go to jail because every day you're going to be, uh, you're going to be held by great, powerful soldiers, Roman soldiers. And you're going to be chained to them. And because you're on fire for the Lord, you're going to sing praises in your imprisonment you're going to thank me you're going to pray you're going to witness and for eight hours at each segment the changing of the guards the apostle paul would talk about the wonderful works of grace of god and you know what happened he led a lot of these soldiers to the lord jesus christ they got saved And then they went home and told their family. And it wasn't long before the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ began to rise up in the palace of Rome. And there was the great message of salvation. And what happened? He used that place of imprisonment as a pulpit so that many would come to the saving knowledge of Christ, which is the powerhouse of the world and the empire at that time. Paul said, In verse 12 in Philippians, I want you to know, brothers, that this has happened to me has really served to the advance of the gospel of Christ around the world. His thankful spirit gave him a new rolling perspective of life. In fact, his imprisonment had destroyed barriers, freeing him to share his faith in places he would have never been able to reach before. 24 hours a day, six hour shifts each. One after the other, the select soldiers were chained to the Apostle Paul and they were forced to live with him and to hear his message of the gospel and to witness firsthand of a man who knew how to be thankful to a holy God. They heard conversations Paul had with his visitors as they talked about spiritual things. They listened as he dictated the epistles that we read today. They were constantly bound to this man who prayed without ceasing. Talk about a captive audience. Wouldn't it be amazing to go to heaven and see some Roman soldiers and then for them to give testimony and say, yeah, I'm a convert. I'm in heaven today because, you know, I was chained to this man called the Apostle Paul. And... That man sang more songs about Jesus and prayed, and my, you ought to hear that man pray. That man's message of the gospel delivered me from the chains of hell. God used him. Paul said in Philippians 1.18, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in patience or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, and I will rejoice even in the palace of Rome. I've shared this story, one of my favorite stories. I don't know. I, I love reading stories about the Holocaust and people whose faith was strong, but I love Cory ten Boom. And I, I've shared this story many times, but i got to share it this morning, and that is... Her and her sister Betsy were confined to a concentration camp because they were very zealous, of the message of the gospel of Christ. And they were put into this concentration camp. And they they were found themselves put in a very dismal bunker where they were confined, waiting to be burned and killed. And Corey one day was deeply discouraged because their little cabin, their little bunker, was filled with lice. And the lice had gotten so deep into their scalps, it would scratch until the blood would come out. And she said, we couldn't sleep. We were up all night. They were just tormenting our physical bodies. And she looked at Betsy one night, and she said, I I think I'd rather be dead than deal with this. And Betsy, her sister, looked over her and said, Corey, in everything, give thanks. Thank the Lord for the lice. She said, I thought my sister was nuts. I'm not going to thank God for the lice. She said, thank God for the lice. Thank God for the misery that you're experiencing. She said, finally, Betsy got through to her, and she said, I prayed, and I thank God for the lice. It wasn't long before other women used to come to their bunker because they began to share their faith in God, and many of them received Jesus Christ as Savior, and they just kind of all huddled together, and they noticed that all the other bunkers, women were, were, uh, were being raped and beaten by these Nazi soldiers that were cruel and heartless, but no one would come near their bunker. And they found out that the Nazis had heard about the lice in that bunker, and they said, no, we, we don't want to go there. It was the very thing that annoyed them is what preserved them from an early death, Corey, Tim Boom and her sister, all of them survived because of the lice. Sometimes the very things, the annoying things that come into your life have a very specific purpose and reason and sometimes we gotta get out of the frame of our negative thinking and realize, listen, I don't know at all All I know is that there's a God in heaven who has a plan for my life, and there's a reason why he does what he does. And I'm going to give him the glory, and I'm going to thank him in advance because he is a great and he's a good God. You see, our perspective is temporal. We don't live forever. We can't see the future and yet our knowledge of mortality causes us to focus on this little space of time. Because our time in this life is finite and short, we have to step back and say, I'm in the hands of a loving God who has a plan and a purpose for my life. I don't know why babies die. I don't know why people have cancer. I don't know why bad things happen to good people. But I do know this, that God is perfect in every way. He is fundamentally good through and through. There's not a shadow of guile in him. I know that he loves me, and that no matter what he is willing to allow me to walk through, he has a divine purpose. That through it all, I'm going to come out as gold No matter what happens to me in my life, I know that I am safe in the hands of our blessed Savior Jesus Christ, and to Him be all the glory and praise. (laughs) May I say to you today from the bottom of my heart, folks, let me tell you something. This Thanksgiving season, it's all good. It's all good. Look to your neighbor and say, It's all right, it's all good. no matter what's happening. We're not staying here long. We're passing through. In one of these moments, the earthly sounds will fade away. We'll hear another faint cry of the saints on the other side. And we're going to hear voices saying, Welcome. And peering through this crowd, there'll be someone standing in the front, dressed in white, and with a smile on his face, he'll say, welcome, welcome home. You're going to lay your burden down, and you're going to enter that rest. You're going to see family that you haven't seen in a long time, and there's a celebration coming for you. There's going to be some shouting and praising and confetti, and there's going to be a celebration like you've never seen before. You're going to see mom and dad. You're going, to see, <laughs> you're going to see aunts and uncles, husbands, wives. You're going to see children. You're going to see people that have been long gone from this place, and you're going to come into the glorious presence of Jesus, and you're going to look right into his eyes, the glorious eyes of Jesus. And he said, I've loved you always. Your your trials are over. You won the race. You didn't give up. You didn't quit. You praised me in the storm, like the praise team said. You praised me. You had faith in me. And now I'm going to reward you. No matter what you're going through, just praise him. God, this don't feel good, but I'm just going to praise you. Just raise your hand and just praise him. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Just praise him. Glorify him. Thank him. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes are closed. In everything, in everything, give him thanks My friends, even though you don't understand it, have faith to know that he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He hasn't rejected you. He loves you. He's working out his purposes and refinishing you as the child of God, preparing you for the kingdom of God. Your day of pain is coming to an end. Your day of stress is all ending. Oh, but wow, you're in the valley. Praise him. In everything In everything. Give him thanks. Oh, let Jesus know how much you love him. As you're here this morning, I just encourage you.